Blog Talk Radio. This is Spencer Boyd, driver of the number 76 Grunt Style Chevy Camaro, and listen to the Pit Stop with Tim Despang. From Dega Nation, I'm Tim Spain alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. But right now we got the official reverend of the show from out there on the West Coast, my good friend Reverend Joe Bubbico. Reverend, how you doing tonight, boy? I'm doing okay. How you doing, Tim? I'm doing great. I am doing great, brother. I'm doing great. Is Miss Betty taking care of you? Yep. I'm sitting here in my air conditioned studio, just waiting for you. It's 107 <laughs> degrees outside, and uh, here I sit. Oh, good night. But now you know, Reverend, just to let some of our listeners know, the uh the hundred and seven out there with the dry humidity versus maybe like a ninety five here with my uh wet humidity, it it could it's it's probably about the same. It it's hot. No. It's hot, but it's dry, so your body works the way it's supposed to, but it still isn't fun. Yes, sir, I know. I know. And when I say I'm sitting in my air-conditioned office, I'm sitting in a parking lot in the car with the air conditioner going, waiting for Miss Betty to finish shopping. Reverend Joe, that's the best way to do it, honey. Just let them go. You stay out there. You don't have to follow them around or find somewhere to sit. Just say, hey, Miss Betty, I'll be in the car when you get ready. Come on. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Shall we get this party started or what? Yes, sir. Crank it up, Reverend. All righty. Lord, we come before you and we thank you for all you do. We thank you for the great racing over the weekend. We ask your blessings upon all those that are hurting. We also ask you to bless our soldiers and all those all over the world that put on a uniform to go and protect us. The ones that are crazy enough to run through the trouble while we're running away from it. We also thank you for our president and for all he's achieved and all he's going to do. Be with our great country. Help us to not only be great again, but to turn ourselves totally back to you. Because you said, if we will turn back to you, you will bless our land. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen, Reverend Joe. Before we let you get out of here, let everybody know where they can follow you at on social media and your website, on trackwithjesus.org. See, I'm I'm getting it. There you go. You got that one. And <laughs> on track with Jesus at AOL.com will get me. Uh, my phone number is 951-232-7630. And you can catch me at Sonoma next weekend, not this coming weekend. The following weekend, we'll be there all weekend. So if you happen to be there, look for us. Reverend Joe, thank you very much again for being the official reverend of the pit stop with Tennis Bunny and Stephen Wilson. And Tennis Betty, we said hello. And if I don't talk to you over the weekend, I'll talk to you next Tuesday evening, bud. Absolutely. God bless. Take care. God bless, Reverend. See you. Reverend Joe there. At this time, we got my co-host uh, and good friend uh, up in the Commonwealth of Virginia, just right outside of Richmond Raceway, CEO of SpadewayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson. 
and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Steven, how's everything up in the Commonwealth this evening, boy? Mm, not too bad tonight. Uh, a little rain off and on. Uh, but all right, though. That's good. Yeah, we uh, we have had storms all around us, Stephen, since uh, Saturday evening. I had, I probably got three drops of rain. It has rained everywhere except Talladega, Alabama. And I need some rain because I cut grass yesterday, and it was like, it was like baling hay. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you can have some of it around here. We've had plenty up here over the last, uh, you know, a uh, couple of days, week or so. Uh, I had to go out there. Had, had two lawnmowers out there. Both of them were broke down. And I finally got one fixed tonight, and I got another one I got to go work on. You know, that's that's what happens when you've got you know five plus acres of of uh, of grass to cut around farm fields. So. Uh, a lot of work and a lot. They work on stuff more than you actually use it. <laughs> exactly. Just like a small farm, Stephen. To let everybody know, uh, the number to call in is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Despain, alongside SpeedwayDigest.com. Mr. Stephen Wilson coming up here shortly at uh, 20 after the hour. We've got a uh, driver for BJ McLeod Motorsports, Mr. Tommy Joe Morton, is going to join us. I know Stephen has a ton of questions for him, too, and I, I, do, uh, I do also. I especially want to ask him about... Uh, about running that restrictor plate there at Michigan. I just want to see just how much slower that it actually was. But, Stephen, uh, we had some breaking news come out of NASCAR shortly, uh, so here's your famous button. Stephen, NASCAR will not quit. They will not quit. They got uh, three of the Joe Gibbs teams, brother. Uh, let everybody know which we, which you and I had talked about it. Uh, it was, it was, it was coming down a pipe because they got them with the splitters, but uh, they got them luckily with L one, Stephen. If you want to let everybody know what all went on there. So this past weekend during uh, inspection prior to the race on Sunday, NASCAR popped the 2018-11 for the front splitter on these cars. Um, none of them met specs into it and they had to pick that stuff up before um they got you know uh past inspection to get out there and go race but um all three of them all three teams uh getting hit with $25,000 fine and the uh crew suspended for the next race um coming up at Sonoma in two weeks that's right Steve and let everybody know they got them on 20.4.3 in the 2018 NASCAR rule book. The splitter must conform to CAD, which is a CAD file, CAD file and drawing as specified on non-super speedways. And they've got super speedway events. And also they had a they had added one for the All-Star race, cause, you know, because they changed the aero package there. But, Stephen, what I've seen on social media and what I've heard a lot of people talking about is what do we need to do? I mean, do we need to start making these higher L penalties or do we need to start taking positions or taking, I mean, what do we need to do to, I mean, you know, because like you and I talked last week, you take your Tommy Joe Martins and your B.J. McLeod, 
just like Ron Devine said, uh, he can't he can't afford to push the envelope like like, like these upper tier teams can. Because if you know, I think I mentioned it last week, and I don't want to be uh, preaching to the choir, but uh, you take a lot of that money. Is if they have to pay it in a fine, it is a it's a good tire bill for some of these teams. But what do we need to do as far as these upper tier teams? Which I know it's their job, just like you and I both talked about, to push the envelope. But it seems like it's it's week in and week out, brother. We're getting something. If it if it wasn't the rear window brace, now they're going after the spoiler. And Caleb, I know Stephen what they did. They manipulated the uh, the front spoiler before they could get more downforce car. And then NASCAR comes and says, no, it's got to be level all the way across. And I think it's like a point four six tolerance or something like that, Stephen. But I don't know what the answer. I don't know what the answer is, brother. Well, I mean, I think you just have to look at it in each individual situation. Unfortunately, this is one where the three on the same team got, you know, hit with it all at the same time. And what I really think is that when it starts coming to this, when three three teams on the same team are pushing the limits that that much, um, yeah, I, I, I think NASCAR – you know, we, we've had enough time that NASCAR over the last, you know, 18 or months so has been, um, you know, going after these penalties or going after these um, these uh, violations more aggressively. Um, we've uh, seen them introduce multiple different um, techniques in both uh, the, the pits road system but also in um, – you know, the pre and post race inspections, um, and not only what they do at the R and D center. So, you know, this hasn't been anything that's new. Um, teams in some cases they've actually asked for this to, to occur to be cracking down on these more aggressively and that's what NASCAR is doing. Um, but I guess my uh, get back to the point at hand is that when we see three teams, you know, on, on one entity or one race team um, go out there and they all get hit by the same thing um, it, it, it's not a part failure at that point it's uh, not something that um, you know is out of the control of the, the team in those cases um, this is something that they've done on their own and they've pushed the limits out there and at this point um, yeah I think it may be time that NASCAR look at some of these more aggressively um, and look at each individual situation differently, of course. Um, you know, if if one team, you know, out of the four were penalized, I think that's one thing. But if three out of the four penalized, that's something totally different. And I think that it, the, the penalty should reflect that, um, you know, based on some of those, you know, uh, extenuating circumstances. And they definitely are extenuating circumstances when – three-quarters of a team field inspection for the exact same thing. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it could be a possible possible area that NASCAR takes a look at. But on the other hand, um, you know, uh, you know, the, the, they're, they're sending crew chiefs home. They're finding the, the team's money. And uh, if, it, if it's something that corrects itself, that may be one thing. But, yeah, um, I think there's potential areas out there that they can maybe go at this a little bit more aggressively. 
Yeah, that's right, Steve. And you know, like I said, not to, not to knock these lower t- lower tier teams and these teams with the show enough got the money that they can just throw it away. But NASCAR is going to have to do something. You know, ever, ever, ever since that that they went to this new Hawkeye system, I mean it 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 really brings stuff down to the tens of thousands of the tolerances. You know, like you said, or what or what have you there to actually get to this point. But I mean, I. I keep asking, and I don't want to keep barking up the same tree, but, I mean, maybe if we started uh, finding some of these drivers, we know which is that probably is not – that's not going to work either because they got the money to pay that. Maybe sort of start setting some of these drivers out, but you can't do that. You uh, can, NASCAR can, but, you know, then you got the uh, the, uh, the sponsor aspect of it. You know, this sponsor paid so much money to be on this car for this race – it's like a double-edged sword, Stephen. Like I said, I don't know what to do, really. I don't know. I think setting these drivers out are really just uh, – I think that may be just a little too much, to be honest with you. Um, they, they, they haven't – they don't necessarily – you know, we've become from a point where drivers used to work on their race cars each and every week. They used to work on them at the shop. They used to work on them after practice. They would tinker with them before they got into the race. Um, and now we have these engineers out there that are very highly skilled in what they do, and they have one part or multiple parts on a car that they, that they're responsible for. And a lot of this stuff has been taken out of the driver's hands. In mo- most cases, there are some drivers that get underneath the car. We've seen Kyle Busch do that. We've seen Ryan Newman do it. We've seen other race car drivers get underneath their cars or get out there and help a team when um, something goes wrong. Um, but for the vast majority of them, um, you know, they get in the car, hold a cereal, get out at the end of, into practice, and go back to their hauler. Um, so I think it's really the onus is more on the teams, and the teams have to be the one that bears the burden in some of these cases, um, and not necessarily the driver. Um, sure, you know, there there could be there could be circumstances where maybe a driver would be involved, but in most cases it's the team and they, they need to hold the onus on this. Um, and if that means, uh, you know, finding them more money, taking more points away, doing other things, um, you know, I, I, I think these are, those are things that we have to, you have to go after the team on, not necessarily a driver. That's right. And, Stephen, we're coming up on halfway of the season. Uh, the Daytona 500, Fox Sports, we're handed over to NBC Sports. We've seen uh, the Chevrolet struggle this year. Chevrolet brought the new Camaro in, and there's a lot of people. I've heard social media, a lot of people at work. So, you know, it, it's just a matter of time. They're going Because the big-name Chevrolet drivers are going to change something. But the uh, the, the affords and Toyota, not far say is the Toyota's as good as the as the Ford. But it going to Michigan there, which is uh, – the auto dealer's backyard there, and with uh, Clint Boyer coming out of there with the win for Stuart Haas Racing and uh, and Ford, that means a lot to go on to show exactly how good that these Fords, especially Stuart Haas Racing, well, you take Penske too. These Fords are really on top of their game. Do you think maybe NASCAR needs to do something? Now, this is just a question. Don't everybody start calling and jumping on Tim. It's just a question. Do you think NASCAR needs to change maybe something on the – Chevrolet Camaro to make it more competitive, or you think it's just the, uh, it's just they just hadn't tinkered the teams hadn't tinkered around with it enough to sort of catch up with the competition for say as the uh, Toyotas and Fords. 
I don't think Chevrolet necessarily needs anything to happen to them or their cars. I mean, if you look over their history, they have, uh, what, 25, 28 manufacturers championships and umpteen, um, you know, driver championships under their banner. And so they're they're not in any need of any help, um, you know, really over the last couple of years. Uh, Ford has probably been the most disadvantaged over some of these uh, other manufacturers, and especially Toyota. Um, you know, Toyota, they spend a lot of money in their sport. Um, they control nearly every aspect of these teams round to, um, you know, the, the nuts and bolts that they put on uh, some of these cars. Um, they're very involved engineering-wise. They're involved marketing-wise. Um you know, this is something that uh, Chevrolet and even Ford over the last, you know, decade, decade and a half has uh, moved away from. And they've let the teams be more uh, in control of their, their teams or their cars and their drivers. And slowly but surely, as Toyota's dominance came into the sport, they each had to start spending an a comparable amount of money on their own to get their driving and get their cars back to the front to compete against some of these Toyotas that have been out there. They've built, you know, Ford has built a tech center and simulation center there in Concord. Uh, Chevrolet has, uh, you know, they're equal there too. They have wind tunnels. They have lots of testing that goes on, uh, you know, all over the place with these cars. Um, so, you know, they, they've started to pick that banner back up. I think, you know, it's just the ebb and flow of each, each, each manufacturer. Um, you know, one year Toyota is really good. The next two years Chevrolet is really good. You know, you get one year or so of Ford being really good. But I think you know Ford has uh, done a lot of done a lot in the last couple of years to get back to this pinnacle of the sport, where they're seeing them compete on the level that they're competing at with the Penske's, with with the uh, Stuart Haas Racing. Um, you know, if we can get Roush Racing back up there, then you know that'll be a complete in-house you know workover. Um, the engine package is good for them, um, but it's just going to have to be them maintaining this level. And they may be at a disadvantage next year when they bring the the Mustang into the series. Uh, it's going to take some learning for them. You know, it's like any. We're at the top of their game either.
Jeremiah from Talladega, Alabama. Sorry about the technical difficulties. Uh, I think I got everything straightened out. Uh, I'm Timmy Spain, also at Speedway Digest, CEO of SpeedwayDigest.com. He's right outside of Richmond Raceway in the Commonwealth of Virginia. We have a guest coming on. Driver of the number eight and the number seven gate for BJ McLeod Motorsports, NASCAR Xfinity Series, Mr. Tommy Joe Martin. Just bring him in to pit stop with Dennis Bain and Stephen Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Mr. Tom and Joe Martins, how you doing tonight? It's a pretty big intro. I'm doing pretty good, guys. How are y'all? <laughs> doing good. I want to thank you for taking time out to come back on the show. Uh, I, mean, I, I know we had you on, I think it's been, I don't know, a few weeks ago or last year or something. But anyway, thanks again for taking time out to uh, come on the show. And I'm going to, me and Stephen sort of swap up with our guests. So I'm going to let Stephen have you first, and I'll come back. I probably got a few questions uh, you know, for you. But thanks again, bro. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Tommy, thanks a lot for coming on here tonight. Well, I want to start off with kind of the obvious question here. A couple of weeks ago, you and uh, Rob Kaufman kind of went at it a little bit here on Twitter, and you two ended up meeting to discuss, you know, what the RTA is and what they do. But for a team like you that hasn't really seen much benefit out of it, I'm not sure you two are able to come to some kind of, you know, eye-to-eye meeting or some kind of compromise. I We were able to kind of hear the other's opinions on things outside of the public limelight, which I think is probably a little more productive than uh, subtweeting each other on, on Twitter, uh, <laughs> in all truth be told. So uh, he knows where I'm coming from. He knows where the small teams are coming from. I, I've tried to understand his perspective, owning a piece of Ganassi or a big team like that. Uh, actually also had um, coffee this morning with the director of the RTA, uh, Jonathan Marshall, who just took office in that job now uh, as of about a week and a half ago on the 1st. So being able to sit down with both those guys who are going to be very influential in the way the sport moves probably the next five to ten years, that was really good for me. And uh, I think it's good for the whole sport that they're both willing to listen to maybe a different opinion on how the thing should move forward. And for you, you're you're not you're not just a race car driver. You know, everybody that a lot of people in this sport, you know, they're a race car driver. But you didn't come naturally to race race car. You uh, you came up in a media portion of this also, so you get to kind of see two sides of the fence on many different subjects within the sport. And a lot of these, you know, you have some well articulated opinions about this, and you respond to a lot of people's questions on social media about the ongoings not only within the sport, but the external forces outside of the sport that people may not see or understand or, you know, may not just be in your position. Um, How much of that is, you know, how much does that mean to you to be able to engage with people both inside and outside of the sport from both sides of the spectrum? Oh, it's been fun. And I think I'm, and I told this to Jonathan Marshall earlier this morning, I think I'm uniquely equipped uh, to do it. Um, I came up into racing kind of late and was in the middle of getting a journalism degree at Ole Miss, which I finished up. So I studied journalism and, and kind of wanted to cover racing and then obviously wound up being a part of it <laughs> and being behind the wheel. So 
you're right, I do look at things a little differently. And I think I kind of have a lot of responsibility on my shoulders in that sense to maybe try to make those points uh, in a clear and concise way because I feel like I'm representing a part of the garage there that doesn't really get hurt from a whole lot. So when I bring up a lot of these points, I'm kind of the only voice saying it publicly. I think privately it's being said a lot, but publicly maybe it's not being, the point's not being made quite as clearly. Come kind of the, I don't know, the soundboard for a lot of the smaller teams in the garage or, or the guy that you go to to get an interview for a, uh, an opinion on something that might affect the smaller teams. And that's okay. Uh, that's fine. I guess you got to be known for something. Um, it, it doesn't bother me. I just want to be able to represent everybody well and hopefully gather as much information as I can, uh, both on our side of the garage and on the other side of the garage, just so I can be more informed. And for the NASCAR Xfinity Series this year, um, well, I mean, this has been a change that's been in process over the last couple of years. But, you know, with cup drivers less and less involved in the Xfinity Series or even the Truck Series, um, and and this weekend going into Iowa, there's no Cup Series um, drivers on on either entry list this weekend. How much of that does help out your team, not only just being able to race against those drivers, but, you know, you guys being able to get out there and not have those drivers around and all that, you know, media publicity just focused on them on a weekend? You know, I really don't think, and this is, I'm not pooping the question at all. I think it's a very good question. I don't think it's really going to change things a whole heck of a lot. You know, it's not so much the drivers. Like, yes, they do draw attention. It's really the teams. Uh, I mean, P.J. McLeod Motorsports races against, every week we race against Joe Gibbs Racing, Junior Motorsports, which is essentially, you know, a Hendrick team. We race against Penske. We race against Roush, RCR, uh, Stuart Haas, every week. So that's not changing. Like, we're still racing against cup resources every week. And, and these younger guys like Cole Custer and uh, some of the others like Daniel Hemrick, I mean, we're talking about really good race car drivers. So it's not just that Kevin Harvick drops down or just that Kyle Busch drops down and that's why we get beat. Well, we get beat from an organizational standpoint. And, and that's not me saying anything disrespectful towards BJ McLeod Motorsports. We really picked our program up quite a bit this year, and we're very proud of it, uh, the way we've been able to compete even last week at Michigan, uh, for example. But when you start talking about racing top-level cup teams that are contending for cup championships, we're not stacking up to that. And so it doesn't really matter who they're putting in the seat. That's our biggest obstacle to overcome. Now, from a practical standpoint or the way you market it, I don't really see the benefit to cup drivers being in an Xfinity race on the same weekend at the same track races going on it doesn't make any sense to a casual fan or somebody just getting into the sport. They don't understand why a top-level driver would also run in a lower-level series. And I think that's the biggest hurdle there, and, and that's really the biggest reason to keep restricting the limits. It's just it doesn't make any sense from a practical standpoint to allow major leaguers to run in what a lot of people look at as the minor leagues. I don't look at it that way. Believe me, the Xfinity Series is not minor league racing. 
I'll show you minor league racing. We can go out to a short track on a Saturday night. The Xfinity Series is extremely high-level professional motorsports, but it's not the top level of stock car racing in America. And I think the drivers at the top level should compete at the top level. They should also be competing at the lower levels. It gets too confusing for fans and for casual observers. My final question for you is is that the Xfinity Series, um, you know, while they're trying to carve out this, you know, this brand identity out there, you know, that, you know, these are the stars of tomorrow. They're rising up to the Cup Series. They're they're the ones you need to watch next in, in racing. But is it time for NASCAR to break the Xfinity Series away from these many combination weekend events out there and move them to an assortment of other tracks, maybe tracks that could host these types of racing, but they don't necessarily come against the, the, the Cup Series and have to worry about the Cup Series on a weekend or worry that, you know, they're playing second fiddle at some of these racetracks. Yeah, I think that's something they're absolutely looking at moving forward is how do we make uh, the sport as a whole healthier. And I think they're looking at different markets. They're looking at different tracks. Um, when the current agreement expires, I believe at the end of next year, with the tracks. And can we expand it's on the schedule, but can we just expand our portfolio of racetracks? And, and I think that's something they're looking at. I think that's something fans want. They want to see some more short tracks. They want to see some more diversity. I can tell you from the business standpoint, though, there, there is going to be a balance here. It is better for the whole traveling circus so to say, like NASCAR as a whole, the economy of NASCAR, well, we all go to the same place. The pit crews are able to work three nights in a row. Uh, the travel costs are cut down for guys that might be working in multiple series. For the officials at the NASCAR race, they're not having to shuttle out two completely different sets of officials to two completely different locations. All the tech equipment is going to the same place versus two separate things. So it dramatically reduces the cost when we all go to the same place in the same weekend. With that being said, yes, I believe that the Xfinity and the Truck Series should be venturing out maybe together. You know, like I think everybody agrees that Cup, it doesn't really matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if anybody's with them. If the Cup Series goes somewhere, people are showing up. It's just better on the card when there are other things there on a Saturday, right, or a Friday night race. But you can find ARCA or K&N or somebody else to fill in that slot, whereas maybe the Truck Series and Xfinity Series could travel together for more weekends. That way you still look at it as, as a combination race. The fans are getting more value when they come out there to the racetrack, and Cup can kind of be standing alone a little bit more. Um, I don't really love the idea of just Xfinity standalone weekends. I mean, that's a lot to just go out there by yourself. There's a whole other hurdle that, that happens from an economic standpoint and a, uh, a logistical standpoint when we go out completely on our own. Like the truck series had a completely standalone race in Las Vegas by themselves. Like that is a terrible decision. And, and that was the case up until this past year, or actually this year, when now that's a triple header weekend out there in Vegas. So, I think there's some things that they got to get cleared up there on the scheduling side. I think everybody's open to going to more racetracks. I think the fans are definitely open to that. But there are a few more things to consider. Uh, and I, th- I said that was my final question, but I do just have one more quick question for you. For you and your team, like BJ McLeod Motorsports, 
what are you guys working on to to become that next level? You you've talked about how you've already picked the program up already, but what are the what are the spots that you're looking at right now um to pick up either the performance or finishing position or just the way that you're constructing the cars on, on, and setting them up on the weekends? Well, right now I think it's about numbers. Uh, DJ's got a few cars that he likes a lot. Um, I think we need more. Right now we're having to run the car. My car, for example, that I'm running here at Iowa is the exact same car that I ran in Michigan. And uh, the way these bodies are now and, and the way the chassis are and, and durable as everything is, it's cool that we live in a NASCAR where we can do that. At the same time, the teams we're racing have a lot more cars prepared and they're a lot more specialized cars. So they're able to build a, a car specifically just for that Michigan race. That's just built for that aero package that one week. Whereas we don't really have the ability to do that. We don't have enough people. We don't have the resources. We don't have the number of cars prepared yet. So I think it's just going to take time. It's going to take probably the rest of this year and, and the off season to be able to build up, uh, the cars that we need to to be able to specialize and say, okay, this is our really good mile-and-a-half car, this is our good short-track car, and be able to do that for, for two teams. So that's going to take time. Until then, we're going to sacrifice a little bit at each track. We're going to be okay. I think we're going to be good enough to run where we're running, which is right there in the mid-20s. I think to take that next step to look like a Jeremy Clements or a Ryan Sieg or a Ross Chastain, you know, to get up there in that top-15 mix – that's what it's going to take is just specializing a little bit more, being able to spend more time uh, really tricking things out for a certain track type uh, and just put up the resources a bit more. A few more people wouldn't hurt. <laughs> if we were able to, to expand our, our team members a bit. Like right now we're going to the track with three people on each car. That is a very small amount of people. They're able to do so much uh, with just a few guys, which is a real typical cat for them. Uh, they're, they're working so hard. So it's not effort. I think it's just specialization. Those big teams are able to have five or six guys that are specialized down to literally one corner of the car that they're in charge of, whereas our guys are having to do a whole lot. So specialization and just overall, uh, I guess, inventory here <laughs> to where when we have a setback, like I had a, a tire blow at Charlotte, just being able to build up our resources a bit more. Tommy, I appreciate you taking the time, um, and I'm going to throw you over to Tim, and I'm sure he's got a couple of questions for you, but good luck in the rest of the 28 campaign out there. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, Tommy Joe, first off, congratulations on that top on that top 25 there at, at uh, Michigan in the LTI Print 250. Yeah, I appreciate it, Tommy. It was a pretty good run for us. Uh, it's It's a good season kind of like what Steven was talking about. It's been a good season if I can be disappointed in the top 25, uh, given where the team was at this same time last year. So uh, ran up there in the top 15 and the top 20 all day, made a strategy call at the end that cost us a few spots, probably cost us the top 20, but overall really pleased with how we ran. Sounds good. And, Tommy Joe, just to talk a little bit about what you and Steven were discussing, it sounds like you've become – Sort of like the uh, spokesperson out of the NASCAR Xfinity Series garage there with you and uh, you and BJ McLeod Motorsports. Steve and I were uh, talking earlier about some of these penalties that NASCAR has been coming down on. It seems like every week uh, somebody's getting caught through the Hawkeye, and it seems like 
It's if it if it wasn't the uh, the uh, rear window brace this week, it's the uh, front the front splitter. And as far as you and you and BJ McLeod Motorsports, Steve and I were uh, talking. You you can't afford to push the envelope as far as some of these some of these big name teams do because you know y'all's pocketbooks is y'all y'all's piggy banks is not as big as your Roushes, like you said, your Roushes, your Gibbs. Your Richard Childress racing. What do you think NASCAR needs to do, as far as that, uh, Tommy Joe, to sort of bring them to get everybody back to where they are more equal? Well, I think we need to specify on exactly what is a penalty, right, and and the difference between the two. So, like lug nuts at the end of a race, that's a penalty, and that's one that bit us earlier this year. Was having a lug nut loose, and that's that's a big fine for a team like us it really hurt we had to lose our crew chief for a week and you sit there and you go at the end of it you go man this really hurts us does this hurt rcr as much as it hurts us and you have to sit there and go no right and just kind of like what you're alluding to there and, and the hawkeye and all the stuff that's going on you know what's the true penalty is money the only real penalty there because if it is then maybe that's not enough uh, to discourage him, uh, you know, I heard a podcast with uh, he was the it was the director of technical stuff for NASCAR. <laughs> this, is a, this is a terrible intro to this this quote here, uh, but he was basically the inventor of that Hawkeye system, or he kind of brought it in, right? And he talked about the implementation of it when they first started. The reason you're having so many tech issues right now is because what all the crew chiefs are doing individually is they sit there and they go, well, I get three passes at it. So, Tim, if you got three passes at something, you know that first one is kind of a freebie, right? Like you might have to some stuff and see what you can get away with. Well, you're talking about some of the smartest crew chiefs in the world, you know, some of the best mechanics in the world. They're all trying stuff on the first pass. Well, that's why, you know, most of them, have to go through the second time. Well, that's slowing down the tech time, right? I mean, tech is based off of most everybody getting through on the first time. Well, when most everybody misses, of course you got more cars going through the second time. That's going to take a lot more time, right? And so then by the time you get to the third run, we're taking a whole lot of time, and that's why some guys are misqualifying and some guys are getting penalized. I think the only way to really stop this in the end is to tell them they're not going to race. Like, if your car fails inspection three times, it's not a fine. It's not somebody gets suspended. It's the car's getting loaded up, put it in the trailer, and go home. Your car did not pass inspection. And if it got to that level, trust me, you would see a lot of things get cleared up. Exactly, Tom and Joe. Your sponsors would be questioning you and everything else. Something needs to be done. And I was listening to Sirius XM while I go, don't, don't, I don't really want to jump off the subject, but I'm going to go back. Larry McReynolds had brought up the point a while ago when I was listening before we come on live about NASCAR has never took a win from a driver. They've always, which last year it was called an encumbered win, and I don't know what to call it this year. It's, it's not an, in, an encumbered win. Do you think it's time NASCAR looks as far as multiple violations that may be taking a win from some of these drivers? Tom and Joe, you think that might help stop some of this? Well, NASCAR has got a penalty level system. You guys might be able to read on it when, when the penalty report comes out. But it'll say L1 penalty or L2 penalty or whatever. You know, obviously this is a penalty strength. 
so if the rear of the car is just a little bit low, there's a few reasons that that could happen over the course of the race. If it looks like they are really cheating it up, obviously that's going to be a higher level penalty, right? Like if you have cheated the springs to where they're not really there, you know, that sort of a deal, we're talking about a really extreme penalty. I think in that case, if it's something glaringly obvious, uh, yeah, absolutely the win should be taken away. If we're talking about minor L1 penalty type of stuff, a window brace, whatever, you know, we can get as mad as we want to get about it. As of right now, that's still considered a pretty low-level penalty. That's probably not affecting the race, no matter how much we want to yell about it. NASCAR doesn't think it's really affecting the race. If they're to upgrade it and say, you know what, no, this is affecting the race, and if you do it, it's in a more extreme penalty, well, yeah, in that case, I think there should be a, a barrier there, Tim, is kind of what I'm getting at, where we go, okay, any penalty above this level, if you commit it, yeah, you're, out of the, you're disqualified from the race. And whatever that penalty level is, you know, that should be the line. Everything under it should be kind of, yeah, free to go. I I think we could really open up the rule book quite a bit. I think a lot of the crew chiefs are really yelling about that. They're going, you know, one of the reasons we're having to do all this stuff is because we're so restricted in the rule book. It used to be a lot more open. But now we're talking about a, a Hawkeye system that's measuring, you know, one million points on the car in, you know, three or four minutes while the car's sitting in there. So we're talking about a whole other level of detail. And so there's just not a lot of gray area, uh, whereas I think teams used to have a lot more freedom, and they feel like they're kind of pinned in. Exactly. I definitely agree, Tommy Joe. And I know your time is limited, but let me let me jump from outside downstairs on the on the bottom groove for a little bit. Let's, let's talk about you and your team. Let's talk about you and your car. Uh, they're at uh, – Michigan, how uh, with that with that top twenty five? I that that going in, with, they put plates on them this time, uh, Tommy Joe. And uh, talk, you know, I know you have run here at my home track at Talladega. You've run Daytona. Talk a little bit about how that, that restrictor plate slowed that car down there at uh, at Michigan. And do you think NASCAR needs to look at going and maybe putting some plates on some of these tracks, not only here at Daytona and Talladega, which are your story restrictor plate tracks, but like they run at uh, at Charlotte and like and like y'all run at at Michigan. Do you think that we need to look at that as far as tightening everything up? You know, I just don't see it in a Cup Series, Tim. I just I just don't see that being where we should be restricting speed. If anything, I think we ought to be giving them some back. I just think we ought to be taking away downforce uh, up there in the Cup Series. Uh, get rid of downforce. Give them give them motor. You take away downforce and you give them motor, they're going to be sideways on their own, and you're going to have to drive it. Uh, and I think that's what it should be at the highest level. Now, in our series, I don't mind trying things. I like the idea that we tried it at Pocono. I don't think it worked, but I like that we tried it. Uh, driving in at Michigan, it absolutely ran like a super speedway race. Now, you might have had some smaller packs at Talladega sometimes, too, where a, a car, you know, a breakaway of five or six or seven cars might get away. Uh, that happened at Michigan. You also had big packs, just like at Talladega in that cup race. Sometimes they'll migrate up there to the wall to be able to protect, right? And you'll have a big line of cars up there by the wall, and then for a while nobody can really pass until everybody starts making moves again, right? It's the same thing in Michigan. So I thought the, the package there was a success. I think you could probably still tweak on it a little bit. I felt like the car was pretty easy to drive from where I was sitting. Maybe my crew just did a really good job. I felt like I had a pretty good handling race car 
Uh, the tire wear really didn't come into play very much for us there. Um, the tires that were designed for our cars, we generally run tires that are designed for the Cup Series, right? So if you design a tire to have fall off at 200 miles an hour, and now our Xfinity cars are running 170, <laughs> it's just not going to experience the same type of wear in the race. And so there's probably some things that need to be adjusted just a little bit. Uh, but I was, I had a lot of fun. I've heard both sides. I've heard some people say, well, it was boring. They just got in a single file line. Well, I can trust me, we're boring to me sitting in the driver's seat. It felt like we were working pretty hard for everything we got. Restarts were pretty wild. Uh, there was definitely strategy involved with getting up there to the top line. I think that's the adjustment that needs to be made. I think you should be able to pass on the bottom and somehow level it out. I don't know if that's like they put down some you know, some grip strip, kind of like what they do on at Bristol or whatever they do around Michigan, you know, just to make that bottom lane better. Uh, Because it was basically all getting to the top line there at Michigan. So there's some tweaks to be made, but I think it's got potential. I don't don't think it's a bad thing. Tommy Joe, uh, I I know you stayed on way longer than than what you you planned, but thank you very much for taking time to come on. And before we let you get out of here, just like Stephen and I always do, we let – our drivers, whoever we have on, thank their thank your sponsors, whoever you want to thank, and let everybody know if they can follow you on social media, Tommy Joe. Yeah, I've got to actually thank Reeson Construction and, and a really good close family friend of ours, Rodney Reeson and, and Miss Lynn Reeson, who have supported me all the way back from my late model days, and they're actually going to be the primary sponsor on our card this weekend in Iowa. So Iowa last weekend or last year that's where we got our 11th place finish we had our our best finish of the year there last year so we're really excited about going back uh my parents obviously for being around every step of the way uh dj for giving me the opportunity that i've had in this car now this is the second year of of being out there and i think i've been in his car for 20 races now so uh, kind of a milestone there a lot of fun you guys can check me out twitter at Tommy Joe Martin's Instagram, same thing, TommyJoeMartins.com, all the blog posts, all the tweets, all the good and bad. You guys can catch it all uh, there on the website and follow along. Tommy Joe, that sounds good. And like I said, don't don't be a stranger because I've, I've got a contact that I can get in touch with you, and you probably know who it is, Mr. Rutledge. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, anytime. All right, Tommy Joe, again, thank you very much for coming on with uh with Stephen and I, and good luck this weekend at Iowa, and good luck the rest of the season. I'm pretty sure we'll have you back on before the season's up, with, and I appreciate it, buddy. Absolutely, Steve. Tim, good talk to you. You too, brother. Take care, Tommy Joe. Tommy Joe Martin there, Stephen. He – I didn't know that he had went on a journalism deal there. I didn't I know that he went to – Yeah, you know, that, that was something why – him because he, he he has a unique perspective on the sport and he levels that both on social media and outside of social media. He's put together some pretty well written blogs out there for himself, um, you know, discussing various issues with both internal to to the sport and external to the sport. Um, so it's good to have people like that out there. I mean, we have, you know, Ryan Newman, he's an engineer, so he understands a lot about the cars. But then you have a ton of you Martins who has a journalism degree that they get it inside of the car. So he gets to see things from two sides of the fence at the same time, where, you know, most race car drivers are on one side of the fence or the other, or most journalists never get in a race car ever in their life. So he gets to experience it from both sides. 
and gives a very unique perspective both in his answers and the way that he approaches issues within the sport. And, you know, Stephen, a lot of the stuff that, that he talked about is absolutely true, just like you and I talked about the some of the stuff, and he spoke about the Hawkeye, and like he spoke to you about the RTA deal that, that he was – and like I had asked him the the uh, question, I guess he's sort of like uh, sort of like one of the uh, maybe you'd call it like a principal in the NASCAR Xfinity Series garage, like uh, they used to call Jeff Burton the mayor. I guess you'd put Tommy Joe on as far as they as far as that side of it in the NASCAR Xfinity Series as a spokesperson for all of them drivers there, wouldn't you? Yeah, so I mean, he, he he's definitely you know somebody out there that is very helpful on that, and especially some of the teams that may not have a voice at all. Um, you know, like BJ McLeod Motorsports, like Jeremy Clement, like some of the others, JD Motorsports, and etc. That um, you know they 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 don't particularly always they're in front of the camera every weekend, but now they have some type of voice out there in which they can you know express what's going on both internally and externally, um, what's going on with their team you know, what can be helpful to their team. Um, and, and I think it's just helpful, you know, in that aspect that he, that they, uh, that they can do this. Exactly. Steve. And we're coming up here on top of the hour. Do you have any breaking news that has come out? I know we had a little bit of issues here with the ski deal and I want to thank you for taking care of that end of that. And I jumped right back in, but I don't really know if there's really any breaking news. I know like you had talked about, Cup is off until Sonoma, and we're going to – where are we going this weekend, Steve? I'm looking for everything. My mind is shot. We're going to Iowa. We're going to Iowa. Do you have the TV times and all that stuff? Yeah, so uh, we're going to go to Iowa this weekend. As I was talking a little bit earlier, there's no Cup Series drivers in either or the, the Xfinity Series or Camper World Truck Series this weekend. Uh, so going to three-quarter mile. Uh, no, I'm sorry, that's not three-quarter mile. That's a seven-eighth mile out there in uh, Newton, Iowa. Um, it's for the NASCAR Camper World Truck Series and NASCAR Xfinity Series um, coming up on uh, – Let's see. Oh, yeah. We've got a Sunday race, too. <laughs> um, so on uh, Saturday, uh, NASCAR Camping World Truck Series qualifying at 4.30 Eastern time. Um, that's the uh, – oh, that's for later on that night, about 7, 7 o'clock, NASCAR Camping World Truck Series racing, 200 laps, 175 miles, and the m 200 out there. Um, and then on Sunday, 2.35 um, p.m. Eastern time, NASCAR Xfinity Series qualifying and at 5 o'clock. The uh, Iowa 250, um, 250 laps, 218.75 miles for them out there. And the NASCAR Xfinity Series. So no racing this weekend for the Cup Series. They're off for uh, Father's Day weekend. But uh, trucks, and, uh, trucks and Xfinity will uh, hold you over until Sonoma. There you go, Stephen. And let everybody know on the, on the NHRA side of it right here, uh, the National Hot Rod Association, they will be at uh, – Thunder Valley this weekend, brother. Bristol Motor, Bristol, not Bristol Motor Speedway, but for the Fitzgerald USA NHRA Thunder Valley Nationals, and that would be on Fox Sports One. Uh, just to let everybody know that, I don't really have all the TV time on it, but I thought I'd start giving that out too, Stephen, since you give out the Cup side stuff and everything. But uh, drag racing this weekend too, also. And Stephen, uh, let's go ahead and jump out of here. Let everybody know they can follow you at on social media and your website, brother. You can follow me at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, and SpeedwayDigest.com.
Um, no, I don't have anybody going to Iowa this week, and I was just trying to think Brett will be there uh, in about six weeks when the series returns with the dual header, um, NASCAR Canyon East and West Series, and the Xfinity Series um, back in, in July. So, um, oh, and oh, and then Brett will be at uh, will be at Gateway too, coming up in uh, about a week or so. That's right. You know, you and I we're talking about trying to find somewhere to go, also, and I'm, we're going to look at that too. But uh, Stephen, tell AM and the boys we said hello, and I want to thank uh, Tom and Joe Martin from BJ McLeod Motorsports for taking time to come on. I want to thank you. I want to thank Reverend Joe Bubbicko for doing the invocation. I want to thank Suzanne for answering the phones. And at this time, we will talk to you next Tuesday night. I'm going to say goodbye from Dega Nation. I'm Tim Lispain, alongside SpeedwayDigest.com. Talk to you next Tuesday. Oh, 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 I'm like, oh, 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 oh.